want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. It's been about 10 days as the Eagles are coming off of their bye week. Still 6-0, undefeated, first place in the NFC East, only by a half game because the Giants somehow keep winning. Um, and they are getting set to do battle with the cross-state rivals, if we can call them rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, it's been a while, but... We have a stretch of, whew, you got this week's game, then they play next Thursday. So it's it's going to be a, a busy time in uh, Eagles land over the next, you know, six or seven days. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It, it's, it's fine. We got our bye week in early. We got our rest. And now we're ready to go the rest of the season and hopefully a playoff stretch, especially after the move that was made just the other day. Yeah, we will we'll start off with that. But first, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHural54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and on YouTube at the Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. You did mention it. Robert Quinn is a Philadelphia Eagle, as Howie Roseman somehow, someway, only gave up a fourth and got the Bears to pay $7.1 million of that contract for him to come and be that rotational piece that they were missing after. And he wasn't doing much and wouldn't have done much, but after Derek Barnett's ACL injury, um, while, while the Eagles this year really aren't struggling um, with sacks, I think they're still top 10 in the league. They, I mean, their last game against Dallas, they didn't get after Cooper Rush. Brandon Graham got a hit on him late in that game that, that forced an interception to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But other than that, I mean, the Eagles do – there are points when the Eagles go through stretches where they can't get pressure on the quarterback. Now if you look at the Eagles' defensive line, it goes eight, nine deep. Um, you know Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Hassan Reddick, and Josh Sweat, are, you know, your first four. Milton Williams, Jordan Davis, um, Brandon Graham, and now Robert Quinn are, is in there. You know, Teron, Teron Jackson got – cut but like he was seeing a bunch he was seeing a, a, him and Patrick Johnson were seeing about 17 to 20 snaps a game they'll go to Robert Quinn now and Robert Quinn now goes from being pro the, the best uh, defensive lineman for Chicago seeing all the double teams to being part of rotation where he won't have to play he was playing what good 60 70 percent of the snaps in Chicago he's going to play 30 40 percent here so the rotation is going to allow him to stay fresh and he's going to – and, you know, the one thing that he talked about in his press conference is he's actually going to get to rush the quarterback with the lead. And when you get to do that, you can pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. And I think that's going to be a fresh roll for him, and he's going to help this front four. You know, you'll be able to keep rolling bodies in like the Eagles did in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl. 
Absolutely, and I agree with Chris. I, I think he will help improve the four-man rush greatly because, like you just said, you're going to be able to rotate bodies. You're going to be able to keep bodies fresh. You're going to be able to just keep, like you said, pin your ears back and just have four men going after that quarterback or trying to get after whatever's going on in that backfield 100%, almost 100% of the time. Um, in defense of the Eagles against Cooper Rush and Dallas, that, I think, was part of the game plan because Cooper Rush needed to have time to make decisions, kind of. Like when they left him to make a decision and they drop, everybody dropped back into pressure, that's when he made the most of his mistakes. So we didn't really have to get after him, but I do understand there are stretches where we almost disappear completely for like a quarter or two with almost no pressures um, where we're not even talking about the front four, where we're not talking about blitzes or anything. And I get like, there's some people who think, you know, I saw a comment that Robert Quinn is washed. I think anybody in that in Chicago is going to look bad or is going to look washed at this point, because that team is just really bad. Exactly. How they have the amount of wins they have is beyond me. But I mean, that seems to be the same with like three or four teams this year, um, especially like the New York Giants, like you said. So, I mean, it would be really hard to get after the quarterback with that type. The defense is good, but hasn't been great like he kind of alluded to in the press conference because they're playing from behind all the time. So it doesn't always work in their favor. He can't pin his ears back. He can't go and get 18 sacks like he got last season. And he may not have, you know, as much support. Whereas I think I said in the uh, Painted Lines group chat, I think he has a chance to get up to 10 sacks this year. He's at one right now, but I think he could get to 10 by the end of the season as part of this healthy front four rotation that is, like you said, it's going to go eight or nine deep. So I think it's a good move. It, it's a smart move. Derek Barnett will be back as much as we're going to loathe it. He's going to be back next year. He's no, still he's under contract. There's a chance he's coming he's back, next, back year. next year. We know Robert Quinn is not coming back. Ian Rappaport did report that there was a mutual agreement when the deal was made that Robert Quinn, they would void the final two years of his deal and let Robert Quinn become a free agent, which could count as a comp pick for us, which is even better. You let Robert Quinn walk, you get, you trade him for a fourth, and then you might have a comp pick coming back. So while we won't recoup a third or a fourth, we might recoup a fifth or a sixth round pick, um, depending on how much somebody's willing to pay Robert Quinn. And if he can play for himself like James Bradbury has played, he could make himself a decent penny next year and really help us with that comp pick. But for now, focus is on being part of that front for that beast that is the defensive line in Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and it's going to be key for the Eagles front four to, to start getting after the, the quarterback on a regular basis because then you won't have to, to blitz. And, you know, when you're going – I mean, I was going to say when you're going up against good quarterbacks, I don't, they're not going to see a good quarterback until maybe Green Bay. And who knows about – who knows at this point in time what Green Bay is going to be like uh, come November as, the, as they're struggling as well. Um, so and they're definitely not going to see a good one this week in Kenny two glove pickets. I don't think Kenny Pickett is a good quarterback at all. I, and you know, I was, when there was the talk of the Eagles potentially drafting a quarterback and him being the guy, I was not happy about that. Um, I'm not a big fan of Kenny Pickett. Um, so I'm hoping that he throws the ball to, you know, Slay, Bradbury, Johnson, 
Epps throws throws the ball to our guys a couple of times this week. Uh, but let's let's dive into this game. Pittsburgh's coming off of a loss um, to the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football last week. Um, you know, looking at their offense, I mean, mentioned um, Kenny Pickett, their starting quarterback, Najee Harris, who last year had a good. I think last year was his rookie year. He had a good, really good year, but you know, this year behind a banged up offensive line. Um, with a, a rookie quarterback, and I know Big Ben was the quarterback last year and kind of was a statue skeleton guy back there. But, you know, he somehow, someway was willed that team to the playoffs last year. Um, you know, and, and Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season as a coach, and this is probably going to be his first one. Um, one thing, I, I love Mike Tomlin as a coach, by the way. If, if there was anybody in the league I could play for, it would be him, number one. I just think Mike Tomlin is, is such a great coach, and, like, I don't put this season on him. Um, it's just, it's tough to win with that, with that group that he has. It all starts with the quarterback and you don't have a quarterback. They thought it was going to be Mitchell Trubisky. And we all know that Mitchell Trubisky is not, even though he did come back, was it two weeks ago uh, when Kenny Pickett got hurt? He came out and and I think won the game for them um, against, was that against Cleveland? Maybe I'm not hundred percent. I don't, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure, but he was able to come into the game um, when Kenny Pickett got knocked out. I'm um, looking at the the weapons on the outside. Deontay Johnson is good. He's got speed. Uh, George Pickens, a rookie. I mean, he can make some some really good catches. And Chase Claypool, what was it, two, three years ago, had a four-touchdown game against the Eagles. So, um, you know, while we know that the offensive line for Pittsburgh is struggling, the quarterback is struggling, and they're struggling to score points, they've kept getting most of their games pretty close. With the exception of that Buffalo game, which was like, what, 40-something to three, um, they've been in – all of their games. So you got to tip that to the coaching, you know, from Mike Tomlin and that coaching staff, you know, while the Eagles are going to come off a bye, wouldn't shock me if the, if the start of the game, the Eagles started off slow, just trying to get knock off whatever rust they may have built up uh, over the bye week. And I hope that they're not overlooking the Pittsburgh Steelers. You definitely don't want to do that. Uh, I don't foresee this team being that team where they are going to overlook opponents or be complacent. But you, know, but it's always a worry. It's, and I think, fortunately for them, the division is still like we, we, you talked about this the last couple of weeks, Connor, where the Eagles are undefeated, and you would think that they have a two, three, two or three game lead. They don't. They have a half game lead um, over over the Giants. So I think with the division and and, and the other Dallas and, and New York uh, winning games and staying right on their tail, that forces the Eagles to to stay focused and not be complacent and try to keep. Um, you know, stacking these wins before, let's be honest, they are going to hit a rough patch. They're not going 17 and 0. We say it all the time. So keep stacking these wins until that rough patch comes in and you're able to um, get, you know, get through that but still in the division lead. Yeah. And I'm going to touch on Chris's point here because I actually was going to mention that about Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has the 34th ranked yards per attempt among quarterbacks. There are 32 teams in the NFL. His yards per attempt are worse than the top 32 guys. Like that is that's is speaking a lot um, in regards to how he pushes the ball down the field. Now he he you can't let him get comfortable. He does rank top five across the board in catchable pass rate, whether it's pressured catchable pass rate, deep ball catchable pass rate, or catchable pass rate in general. Actually, his catchable pass rate in general is number one. 85% of his passes are are deemed catchable. So he he's kind of 
I want to call him a smart and a safe quarterback because he tries not to make a whole lot of bad decisions. He tries not to put the, but I mean, when he throws to George Pickens, they look like bad decisions, but then you see what George Pickens does and you know, it's not a bad decision. You are trusting your wide receiver to make that play and they make that. And he makes that play. He's a dude that makes that play. And he's made some insane catches, catch of the year candidates already this season. It's crazy. Um, but he is a guy who, and he also ranks number two in pressured completion percentage. So he's really good when under pressure and having to make that decision. But it's because he always has like a bait. He always seems to have a bailout option. That yards per attempt speaks for itself. He always knows where he's going to, he's not just going to throw the ball away. He always seems to know where his dump off option is. He always knows where to make the right play. And he's just, he, <sighs> He arguably could be the best quarterback that we're going to face that we faced yet just because of the way that he processes and the way that he makes his decisions. So, but he's not good. He's still not good. He's got a good protection rate. When I looked it up, I was shocked because you spoke about the banged up offensive line. They actually per PFF are the number one in pass blocking efficiency. We are number three. Tampa Bay is number two. So, I was actually pretty surprised to note that they are very good pass blocking, at least. But as you noted about Najee Harris, Najee Harris has definitely not had as good of a season. He hasn't been seeing as many targets. I think he saw almost 100 targets last season. So not seeing as many targets has kind of taken away from his game. Um, and he hasn't been as efficient, which he hasn't, re- which efficiency was never his key standout point. He wasn't a yards per carry guy. He was a volume guy. You give him a lot of volume and the guy was going to end up, if you give him 20 rush attempts, you know, he was eventually going to bust off a couple runs and end up with a hundred yards. Like Leonard Fournette-esque is kind of what I think back when Leonard Fournette was in Jacksonville, you saw him burst off that 50 yard run that spared his entire day because he would end up with like 14 carries for 85 yards, but 50 of them came on that one run. So Najee Harris is capable of that. He's just not a consistent runner, um, which is good. But I mean, there are things about Kenny Pickett that are, he's still not good. I'm not going to say he's good, but he's, he's smart. He doesn't necessarily always make very bad decisions. He tries to be safe and he throws catchable passes which puts his wide receivers in position to make catches but that could also play in well to the cornerbacks favor because they could be passes that he's trying to throw right on the money and they might be able to get their hands on them they might be able to get some picks and maybe some interceptions so i agree with you on that point yeah so the secondary could have a big game this weekend and um you know one of the 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 biggest things which I'm, i'm still shocked that pittsburgh has never won a game in philadelphia in Philly, like obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers have beaten the Eagles in Pittsburgh, you know, back in 04 when the Eagles were 7-0. and um, And it was the week after the Steelers beat the, at then I think 6-0 and Patriots. They beat the the, the uh, Eagles that, that were undefeated. And um, that was the year the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. And it should have been, a you know, an all-Pennsylvania Super Bowl that year. It wasn't, obviously. We ended up facing the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, and then I mentioned a Chase Claypool game from a couple of years back when he had four touchdowns. So, you know, the, the, the Eagles, has, for some reason, just have the Steelers number in, in Philly. And we'll see. If you remember Carson Wentz's rookie year, he had a big game. And it was the week before the bye, and the Eagles improved to either 3-0, 4-0. Uh, he had a touchdown pass to Darren Sproles. It was, it was a big game. 
Um, and the Eagles were able to dominate. And then and people were like, oh, man, you know, Wentz is going to be the guy, the Steelers or the Eagles have a chance. And, and that year they went 7-9, and 6-10, something like that. Um, so obviously, you know, it's still early in the season. Um, but, you know, we, we talked, we t- we're talking about this, this Pittsburgh offense. They have the weapons. And if Kenny Pickett is able to be protected, and as Chris says, you know, the, the uh, big piece of the pass blocking rate for Pittsburgh is how fast, you know, Pickett gets the ball out. This is where you want to see the corners play up. I don't want to see the corners playing 10 yards off, 7 to 10 yards off. You know, just uh, uh, Kenny Pickett will just feast. He'll, he'll catch the snap, throw it out, and let, let Deontay Johnson – you know, George Pickens and Chase Claypool make make him a miss and get some yak. That that could work for their for their offense. So the Eagles are gonna have to to be smart defensively. Um, you know, we don't we we always talk about them getting pressure on the quarterback and most of the time we, we mean blitz. But if you know the the front four is able to get after you know get after Pickett and they're able to stop the run. They have to be able to they haven't been good against the run this year, let's be real. So the Eagles are going to have to tackle. Najee Harris is a big guy, an agile guy. He can he has he has that athletic ability. He can jump over a defender, run right through a defender. So I think the game plan for Pittsburgh will be, you know, get Najee Harris going so you can have the play action game and get these receivers on the outside in one on one matchups and you know maybe a double move here, double move there, and get open down the field. I think that's the only way Pittsburgh is going to be able to win the ball, and obviously creating turnovers. Which when we get, get, talk about the Eagles, you know, offense, they have two turnovers. The Eagles' offense has two turnovers the whole year. They're not an easy offense to turn over. So if you're not able to force the Eagles to turn the ball over, you're going to maybe try to hit a big play here and a big play there. And if the Steelers are in it come the fourth quarter, you never want a team that the Eagles are ten and a half point favorites this week. Like if the Steelers are in it in the fourth quarter, that's could be troublesome for the Eagles. Uh, you know coming into this game off of a bye, who knows how they're going to be coming coming out. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that 10 and a half point spread is kind of, uh, is kind of a tease. Like I feel like that's just an undefeated team versus a Steelers team that's been struggling this season. So you give this big, but like you said, the Steelers have been in the majority of the games that they've played minus a game against Buffalo, which not many teams tend to be able can go pam for pam with Buffalo when their offense looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. You got to look more like, you know, Patrick Mahomes esque type offense to be able to go pam for pam with them. Um, You did talk about the Russian defense. We do ranked rank 12th best. At one, allowing 109.8 yards per game, but that's still a lot. Allowing over 100 rushing yards per game is a lot. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely not something you you want to be giving up. And Najee Harris is a guy who can easily go for 100 plus yards himself if you give him the opportunity. And like you said, he's a big body back. He's like, what is he, 230 pounds or something? Like, he's a big boy. So, you don't want to be. You don't want to end up letting him get to the secondary or, or starting to pound away on you like Derrick Henry-esque type games where he starts pounding away, wearing down your defense, because then that can make things a lot worse for us in the in the long run and in the longevity of the game. Um, so I agree with you there. Um, time in the pocket, I did look that up. He ranks uh, 20th in average time to throw at 2.57. I think every 
quarterback we've played so far this season has a better average time to throw or a quicker average time to throw than Kenny Pickett. I see Kyler Murray here. I see Cooper Rush here. I see Carson Wentz here. I see Trevor Lawrence here. So he is not the guy who he's not the quickest at getting the ball out. He is quick, but he is definitely not the quickest we faced. And we saw with Cooper Rush what happens when he wasn't able to get the ball out quickly. So maybe if you do make Kenny Pickett think a little more, you just rush forward, bring the blitz once in a while to throw him off. Maybe that's the type of play that you have to play with. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Jonathan Gannon brings this week for sure. Um, But I think more for me is, is like, and another guy we haven't talked about is Pat Frymuth. I know he's been banged up, but he's another weapon to worry about. Like this this offense is likely a good, legitimate quarterback away from being really good. And the unfortunate reality is they didn't, or at least Kenny Pickett might not be the guy they thought he was going to be. While he was called the most pro-ready quarterback, what did pro-ready really mean? We're seeing it. He's a, he's smart with the ball. He doesn't turn over the ball a ton. He throws a lot of catchable passes. He's a safe quarterback, but that doesn't necessarily translate in today's NFL to wins. You got to be willing to push the pace. You got to be willing to push that ball down the field. But Pat Frymuth is someone who's definitely going to test the middle of the field as well. You got, I think Deontay Johnson uh, works a fair bit in the slot. Chase Claypool and Johnson swap in the slot a little bit. Um, I think Claypool's playing the slot the most he has in his entire career this year. And then Pat Frymuth. So you're going to have to watch the middle of the field, and you're definitely going to have to watch the deep parts of the field. Because Kenny Pickett doesn't take a deep shot unless he's confident with the deep shot that he's taken. And we've seen that time and time again with the Pittsburgh Steelers when he does take that shot. So they definitely do have weapons, um, but it's rather unfortunate that they don't have a quarterback to exploit them. Uh, Fitness Roofer says Philadelphia needs to run a man blitz scheme throughout the entire game and not let up in the second half. With Robert Quinn, there's no way we should have at least sacks minimum per game. I would, I agree. I agree. That's one of the big things, though. They let up in the third quarter. They get your heart rate up, and then they they realize, hey, we have a lead. If we run the ball and run the clock down, we actually could can you know not give the other offense a chance to score. It seems like it takes them a whole quarter after they come out of the locker room at halftime to realize that. So I'm hoping that we don't end up have them let have them letting up a bit in the second half, like we've seen a lot. Um, oh, and he he says we should have at least three sacks. I would agree with that, definitely. Yeah, the Eagles are going to want to make Pittsburgh one dimensional. Um, they're going to come out like I mentioned. They're going to come out running the football, try to get Najee Harris established so that they can go to the play action game. Um, and allow Kenny Pickett to move because he he has mobility to where he'll be able to move around. Um, so so that'll be be a test for this the defense. The, the ends ends can't get too far upfield to to allow you know Pickett to step up and maybe you know go out to the left or the right. Uh, let's jump to the uh, Pittsburgh defense. They are missing T.J. Watt. They did activate his 21 day window. He's probably not going to play this week, but if he does, it wouldn't shock me because he's that type of, of player. But if he doesn't play, I think up front it starts with Cam Hayward. He's and Larry Ogunjobi's not playing either. So they're, they're, they're down a couple of big guys uh, defensively because also um, one of the corners isn't playing. I forget, uh, Levi Wallace isn't playing as well. So 
that's you know the Eagles are going to be able to take should be able to take advantage of that. Um, we we know that they try to come out passing the ball early, and then when it doesn't work, they go back to running the football until they can get the get the passing game going. But the Eagles are able to get you know Miles Sanders going, um, get Devontae Smith, get AJ Brown involved in, in the game early. Um, Dallas Goddard, like we keep we can rattle off so many names for this Eagles offense. I um, mean, it's tough. There's only one football to go around, um, and, and we know that Jalen um, Hurts, you know, likes to to run the football as well. Um, obviously, we don't want him running the ball, you know, when he doesn't. Sure, QB sneaks fine. I'm not. I don't want him to, to run the ball 19 times a game. This isn't college. Um, but uh, they're, they're linebackers for they, they. So Pittsburgh does play a three four. The uh, linebackers for Pittsburgh, Devin Bush. While he hasn't been, I think, as good as they thought he was going to be coming out of Michigan, he's still pretty good. They got Miles Jack from Jacksonville. Alex Highsmith can get after the quarterback. So, that you know, the linebackers are very active, and, and they're going to, you know, rush and, and try to get after Jalen Hurts. It wouldn't shock me if Jack or Bush was, was a spy for him, um, if, if that's the type of defense that the Steelers try to, you know, throw out there. And then the secondary, Minka Fitzpatrick's their leader. He's one of my favorite. I love Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, coming from Alabama, they got him in that trade from uh, Miami a couple of years back. Um, he's good. Uh, Cam Sutton and uh, Akilo Witherspoon are the same. I think that A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith should be able to win their one-on-one battles. They really should. You're not going to be able to double-team both of them. So whichever one doesn't have the safety over top, that guy better win their battles, and I think they're, they should be able to. And the Eagles should be able to put up points on this on this Steelers team. It's just the matter. We know that they start off kind of slow. And then in the second quarter, they get hot. They they threw 20, you know, three touchdowns on the board, whatever it is. Then, you know, as you mentioned, come out in this, the second half, the third quarter, it's slow. And then in the fourth quarter when, you know, they'll run the, they'll run a, a, a clock a controlling game, have an eight-minute, nine-minute drive, score a touchdown, and then that's the end of the game. But we want to see this consistent offense. They haven't played a full 60-minute game yet. Hopefully coming out of the bye, this is where we'll see that full 60-minute game. I agree. Um, now I have in TJ Watt would be huge. Um, I think there was that crazy stat last week or two weeks ago um, that they won. I think it was that they won their first game without TJ Watt. That that last game there um, that they barely uh, snuck out of it. I think it was against Cleveland Browns or whatever when Mitch Trubisky came in and uh, ended up getting the win for them. Um, so that speaks volumes to how important TJ Watt is. And we know the Watts are freaks, freaks of nature. So they haven't ruled him out yet. While there's reports, he looks like he could go. You also need to know this is a marathon, not a sprint. You don't want to bring him back too, too early just to try and get one win. If it's going to take that extra week, us Eagles fans aren't going to complain. If it takes that extra week, you take that extra week. But also you want that extra week because that division for them is well within reach despite the record that they're at. So why rush him back when you still have a chance to be able to sneak in, maybe get that division? Um there's no reason to really rush him back. And um, I know uh, the fitness roofer talked about Dallas Goddard uh, feasting in the middle uh, with ease. Um, yeah, they're, they get targeted a decent amount. I'm looking right now. They got 20 targets on Robert Spillane. Spillane, uh, Devin Bush has been targeted 22 times. Miles Jack has been targeted 36 times, while none of them have given up 200 yards. 
two of them have given up over 12 yards per catch and miles jack gives up 7.3 yards per catch so they can definitely work the middle and while i think goddard can eat in the middle i definitely also think aj brown can and needs to eat in the middle we've kind of we kind of we spoke about this a couple weeks back they've kind of turned away from aj brown on occasion and this is one of those opportunities where yes you can have minka fitzpatrick over the top but that's fine if the best plays and the best opportunities are going to end up being those mismatches in the middle against the linebackers you have to take full advantage of that you can't look away the best the games where we've had the best success is when aj brown and i hate to say it has at least 10 targets he has to have the 10 targets it's just it, it's just like the bills with stefan Diggs. like these guys who have a true number one wide receiver they have to feast and they have to be force fed the ball because that is what ends up forcing a lot more attention to that guy and opens up the dallas goddards of the world the Devonte smiths of the world opens up the run game more for miles sanders uh and kenneth gainwell so they definitely have to go after aj Brown. Work Goddard in the middle. You can take advantage of these linebackers for sure. And you can definitely take advantage of the, like you said, it's a 3-4 that is short, likely short. They're starting defensive end, and now they're backup defensive end in uh, Watt and Ogunjobi. If those two are out, then you probably have Highsmith, who's going to end up being pivoted into the defensive end role a lot more. Um, or else they're going with who? Chris Warmly? Like, you have to likely pivot a linebacker into that defensive end role. And like you said, Highsmith, he can get after the quarterback. He's likely the guy you would move into that role over any of the other linebackers. So it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully Watt doesn't play. That would be huge because then you're making moving Highsmith in makes him thinner at the linebacker position, and they're already looking pretty weak there. But I agree. I love Minka Fitzpatrick. When that deal happened, I think me and you talked about it when the deal happened and we were like, kind of wish Philadelphia went in on it. But hindsight being 2020, whatever, look at where we are now. We're the only undefeated team in the uh, NFL. So we're not going to dwell on the past of not getting Minka Fitzpatrick. But yes, I love Minka Fitzpatrick too, but I think he's going to have his hands full. You got to watch Devontae Smith. You got to watch Dallas Goddard. You got to make sure there's no big plays. You got to watch A.J. Brown. He's going to have a lot of work to do uh, with these missing bodies and having to move linebackers into that defensive end role. Yeah, and and the Eagles, the Eagles offensive line is healthy. Um, Lane Johnson cleared his concussion protocol. Say Amalu's good. Kelsey's good. Um, Dickerson and Mylotta are good. So the Eagles offensive line, we know when they're healthy, what kind of force they are. So they should be able to take advantage of the defensive front, the banged up defensive front for Pittsburgh. But like I said, Pittsburgh isn't a team that's going to roll over. They're, they're still going to battle. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is is, is, is a turnover machine. Um, if the ball is near him, he, he tends to make a play on it. So the Eagles are going to have to be – Jalen Hurts in, in, in particular is going to ha- have to be smart with the football. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And Fitness Roofer says Devontae Smith's going for over 100. Listen, I think, don't me and you, every single week, one of us picks Devontae Smith as an impact player because we expect the attention to go to A.J. Brand. We expect the attention to go to Dallas Goddard. We expect the attention to go elsewhere. So we always seem to side with that. And Dave, Brown, Smith, and Goddard all might get a touchdown this week. It's certainly within the realm of possibility. I'm definitely not arguing that point. And I think we're going to see, 
uh, and I think we might notice early on just what type of team, like if the Eagles come out quick, we know that like they are uber focused, super focused. And like, you know, come th- that Tuesday trade deadline that they they might come out like Howie, if, if, if you believe in us, you made a move on the defensive side of the ball. If you feel like we need a piece on the offensive side of the ball or need another piece on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's a third safety um, you know, and then on the offensive side of the ball, a running back, uh, even a receiver there was talk about, like th- this could be proof. They could prove to Howie or to tell Howie, look, we are ready to make this run to go deep into the playoffs, get us some more weapons. Um, and, you know, I, and I know it's different than the other sports because the trade deadline in the NFL is really usually not that big of a thing. Um, like you, you don't see the CMC trade happen all the time. Uh, you don't even, you barely see the Robert Quinn, Robert Quinn type of trade happen all the time. Um, but you know, the, the Rams did it last year trading for Von Miller and OBJ. So if the Eagles think that they're in that realm, they get, they, they made a, a trade for a defensive end. <laughs> they got Robert Quinn and they're not asking Robert Quinn to come in here and be the savior. They're asking him to come in here and, Attribute or be, be uh, you know contribute to what the defensive line already does. Now, if you if if Howie wants to add another piece to this offense and he wants to get another running back and and, and says, look, I'm going to trade for Kareem Hunt because I think he fits what our offense is looking for and what's missing. You know, a pass protected running back, somebody that can split the the carry that we trust to split the carries with with Miles Sanders because as much as I like Kenny Gainwell and we know how much I don't like Boston Scott, they do need a second running back. And I think that if you got a Kareem Hunt, that's 1A and 1B between him and Miles Sanders. You put them both out on the field together, like like sometimes the, the Browns do with Hunt and Chubb. Like That's another weapon that you have to try to determine who do you stop on the Eagles offense. So like this is a key week because if the Eagles go out there and win and dominate, I think Howie's going to pull the trigger on something by Tuesday, which I want to talk about before we do finish off today. Trade yeah, deadline. We Tuesday. definitely will. I don't think we're going to be on before the end of the trade deadline uh, with a condensed week. We might be on Monday. Who knows? But that's what, you know, what moves are out there that the Eagles could potentially make. And, and, and this Sunday's game is going to tell a lot to Howie and it's going to tell a lot to us if the Eagles are going to make a move. Absolutely. And like you said, you don't see the CMC deal often and you don't, there's a lot of reports out there about some fairly big name players being inquired about that just speaks volumes to how wide open the NFC is, how wide open some teams really think it is because a lot of the attention is on the NFC. Look how wide open it is. It is the Eagles and then a jumbled mess of teams that are sitting at a game about a one or two games above 500 or at the 500 level right now. So I think you're going to see a lot of attention on the NFC because I think there's a lot of teams who feel this is wide open. There's a good opportunity that, you know, you, if you can get that one win, if you can get a couple wins, if you can string those wins together, especially come playoff time, you might have a chance of being a surprise Super Bowl team. If you can get your team there and, That's why I think we saw the CMC move, because while a lot of people ripped it, and I do believe it wasn't a very smart move on San Francisco's part, it was a lot to give up. It's a massive contract to eat. They see it as this is it. This is our window. We have an opportunity. Trey Lance went down. Jimmy Garoppolo got us as far as he got us last year with what pretty much essentially the same team that they put together this year. What can we give him to make sure we can get 
maybe take that next step or get to that next step. So I think that there's going to be a lot of focus on the NFC and teams seeing it as wide open and maybe, you know, poking around and seeing what potential deal might be there, especially with running backs. This is a huge running back draft class. This is a huge running back free agent class. That's why there's some more running back names being thrown out there and some contracts trying to be gotten rid of. And I did look, the Steelers rank in the bottom half of the league across the board in pressure, quarterback knockdowns, hurries, and blitz percentage. It doesn't the, help with Watts out a lot. It does no, it definitely doesn't. But if if Watts out and Ogunjobi is out, our offensive line should have a field day. This should be a day where Jalen Hurts feels very limited to almost no pressure. So I'm hoping that it stays that way. And it all, I mean, we're going to see from, you know, the defensive staff of Pittsburgh, you're going to see a bunch of creative different things that they haven't shown this year because they're limited on the defensive line because of the injury. So the Eagles will see something new from this Pittsburgh Steelers uh, defense. Dave says, I'm going to be honest. I don't think Quez Watkins is that good. What do you think the odds are we find a slot receiver at the deadline that could also return kicks or punts? That's what they need because Britton Covey is not, look, I'm done. Cut him. I don't care. I'm done with him. Um, I want, you know, a slot. So I'm trying to think of the names out there just quickly off the top of my head. Like, I, I mean, like Jerry Judy would be awesome, but that's not going to happen. He was a first rounder. Um, and he could probably, I think he could, he returned punts at Alabama and he could be a slot receiver for us. He's, but remember, remember the talk before we got AJ Brown where the Eagles were hyping up Quez Watkins as the a number two receiver. They don't even believe that. Like he really isn't like Dave says, he really isn't that good. Um, I I think Quez is good, but he definitely wasn't a two. I think people got too far behind the Philadelphia Eagles hyping up, hyping him up as a two and really liking him. I think we've seen this a lot with Howie Roseman. He likes a lot of guys and a lot of them just don't pan out. And then he goes and makes moves to put bodies in front of them. So that speaks volumes to how he's just pumping people's, pumping people up and just trying to make it look like, oh, I'm not looking at wide receivers. I'm not looking to do anything. That's just, It's all just part of his ploy with the media and with attention. Um, if I'm the Eagles, I honestly, I might sign OBJ. And you can sit him. He's, he'll be ready in December. Let him learn the offense between now and December. When he gets back, like, I, I would really consider that. Like, OBJ, and I'm not saying he has to come in here and return punts. I'm not. But I was going to say he he's not coming in to return punts off an ACL tear. Uh, no, no, and he and he doesn't have have to do that. Um, but I would consider it, and especially like I would keep him from going back to the Giants, keep him from potentially going to Dallas. Like, but in it, when it comes to Dave's question, can you think of anybody off the top of your head that would be available for a trade that can return kicks, play slot? I just. No, not really, because the teams who have a guy capable of doing that and who is efficient at doing that, they're not going to give them they're not going to give them up because they know how important it is to have that pump returner or that kick returner who can add a bit of yardage. So you'd have to be you'd have to go out and get a guy who has a bit of a history of returning punts, but hope that he's better than Britton Covey. It's really difficult. Like I don't, I don't looking at names and looking at like pump returners and stuff. I just don't, I don't see anybody out there that that I think would interest them or that I think a team would be willing to to give up on. KJ Hamler. 
Has he returned punts though? I, know, I mean, again, in, in college is different. I think he did at Penn State. He might. He might have. Um, I'm just kind of rolling through some some names. Like, oh boy. Um, I mean, it is tough. They do need. They do need because that like the one. The one going into the bye week. I think we both talked about this. The one area of concern for the Eagles is their special teams. Um, mm-hmm. their kick coverage is not that good. Uh, you know, Kevante Turpin had, had a big return on them in the in their last game. We know that they're, they, they don't really return kicks, and if they do, they get to the 20. Um, and Covey should have two fumbles right now, but doesn't have any, fortunately. Maybe one a half of a good return. But Kiss some than, muffs. Other than that, like, all the hype that you had of, about him went down the hill early on. Um, yeah, like, I when I look, like, and I know, like, this guy's exclusively there for punts, but, like, Jaden Darden's super efficient in Tampa Bay, but they're not going to move on from him. Like, you look at these guys who are efficient when returning the punts, and I just don't see a way that a team would be willing to to move on from them because they know how important it is. Um, and yeah, But, like, been, uh, you'd have to and, look at them. Yeah, fitness refer says I think they should really go get Des- Desmond King. He would be good. He'd be a third. He'd be a third safety. Could play corner, and and slot, and would be, and he's the punt returner. And so he actually would be perfect. The chances. So it be it be hard for that. I don't know if the Texans would trade him to us the week that we're playing them. <laughs> um, granted, if he they did make that trade Tuesday, the chances of him being able to play Thursday slim to none. Like he wouldn't be playing in next week's game. He would play in the week after, um, whoever we play then. Uh, I don't know this. I can't remember the schedule off the top of my head. But like, if they are able to make that move, I'd be down with Desmond King. I was a fan of him coming out of Iowa. That's where he went, right? <laughs> yeah, I I'd be open to that just for the versatility. I just think like you're not going to dramatically improve pump return. You got to focus on. What are the controllables that we really need? If they really wanted to go after pump returners, they should have done it in the offseason. They should have considered it in the offseason. They opted not to do that. They thought, well, they thought Britton Covey was going to be the answer, and Britton Covey just hasn't been the anybody answer. With, anybody with eyes knew that wasn't going to happen. So unfortunately that didn't work out. But Desmond King gives you versatility, and that's what how he's going to look at now. He's either, I think he's going to look for a third safety that guy. has versatility or and he's going to look at running backs too. Another guy that fits the Desmond King role, Jabril Peppers from um the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, Jabril he Peppers. Can kicks, he can be he can play corner, he can play safety. So a, a Desmond King Jabril Peppers type would fill multiple roles, be that versatile guy in the secondary plus be a, a good special teams contributor. But yeah, for something though, like because we hear all this talk of the Eagles potentially being in on a running back, I feel like that's a smokescreen for something else. What that it, something it very else well is, could be, yeah. What that something else is, I don't know. Whether it's a receiver, whether it is a, a safety or something like that, I don't know what it is. But I feel like running back could be a smokescreen when you have Sanders, who's having a really good year. Granted, it's the last year's contract. Your quarterback's also a running back, like. They don't have that big, big need. Do they have a need at running back? Probably, but I think they might. They have a need elsewhere. They, they, they picked. They solidified one of the needs at defensive end. And I called it. I said it when we last met. You said that you they would go for safety. I said defensive end, and they went for defensive end. Um, now it's that second part. Do they go for an offensive player 
or do they solidify the back end of the, of the defense with a third safety that also could play some slot corner? I think the thing is when, and I, Shane have said it in our group chat today, running backs have the easiest job in Philadelphia. So the thing with that is every time we've been forced to pivot to a backup running back or a different running back, that is how, you know, the, the, the ghost of Boston Scott continues to hang over us because whenever somebody goes down, Boston Scott is very efficient in their place. Trey Sermon would likely be very efficient in their place. Kenneth Gainwell is very efficient in their place. Miles Sanders is super efficient. So you don't really need a running back as much as you need other positions because when we saw Chauncey Gardner-Johnson leave the game, that looked bad the back end of our defense started looking really bad and if Marcus Epps went down I have a feeling it would start to look really bad as well so I feel like you need to solidify the back end of that offense or defense a lot more than you need to solidify running back because our offensive line and the fact that we have Jalen Hurts like you said is just both those together are so good and so lethal that the running backs just have such an easy job the only thing is would I like a better pass protector? Yes, but it's definitely not as urgent of a need as addressing the back end of the secondary. If somebody, heaven forbid, somebody goes down. We've seen it happen, and it wasn't pretty. Yeah. So, Dave asked, so do you guys think, do you guys think we do make another move at all, or do you think we miss out or on whatever else they may be trying for? I think they do make a move. It won't be a big move, obviously. Cap's very limited. Um, and – Honestly, the roster is really good right now, so I do think they make a move. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they make a running back move. I think it'll be Kareem Hunt. I'm gonna go. I like it. I like it. I know the asking price on Kareem Hunt right now is a fourth, and that's why, like, I think we were in a group chat, uh, and I said I think we need to see Andre Dillard moved because Andre Dillard would recoup either a third or a fourth. They want a third. So that would give the capital that Howie would need to go to go in unless they're okay with taking a 2024 fourth or fifth or something like that. Then Howie might be able to make something work. But the asking price for Kareem Hunt seems to be well known as being a fourth round pick. Um, and we don't have that for 2023. Um I do agree with you. I think there's going to be another big move. While I think some people are are kind of like thinking there might be something bigger. Michael Florio clearly crushed the rumor of uh, Alvin Kamara. It doesn't sound like there's really any intent of going if, for Alvin if, Kamara. If Howie was able to get Alvin Kamara from the Saints without giving up a first round pick, why do the Saints pick up the phone when he calls? <laughs> he fleeces the Saints all the time. It's like when he was when he used to fleece uh, Tannenbaum with the Dolphins. Like it makes no sense why teams certain p- people pick it up when Howie calls, and then at the end of the phone call, Howie gets what he wants. And the, the other GM's like, what the hell just happened? He He's one of the best GMs in the league. Like, okay, we have the fire Howie comment almost every single week, but let's just face it. He is, it. <laughs> he is one guy who just knows his way around a deal. While we may not like the players he likes or we may not think that he has a good eye as a scout, which he definitely does not, he makes moves – and he handles his money so well that it's so hard to hate on the guy that much because just when you think, oh, he's got to go, he needs to be fired, boom, look what he did this season. We're the only undefeated team left. We have one of the easiest schedules still to go. 
the the dream of being like a, a 14 and three team or 13 and four team is still definitely within reach. And it was Howie Roseman who made the moves. It was Howie Roseman who did this. But getting back to those, um, to the 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 move, the trade deadline. Yes, I do think there's going to be one more move. I think the big move, the big splash, was Robert Quinn. I don't think we're going to see that much bigger of a splash. Um, I agree with you on that, LJ. I still think it's going to be a secondary move with someone with some pump return experience, so that maybe they could lean on him if the Britain Covey. Uh, the crash test dummy experiment continues to just be more of a crash than what than anything, which it's starting to look that way. But we're at 48 minutes. Let's pivot back to the game. Let's talk about our key players, our, our impact players. LJ, give me your your player that you're watching offensively for the Philadelphia Eagles and defensively for the Eagles. Uh, so offensively, I'm going to go Dallas Goddard. I think he's going to have a big game coming out of the bye, um, you know, with the banged up defense you know of, of the Steelers I, th- I think Hertz is gonna have time and he'll be able to find them and Goddard should have a touchdown or two on the offensive side of the foot on the defensive side of the football I'm gonna go Hassan Reddick banged up offensive line not a very good offensive line for Pittsburgh so I think that Hassan Reddick is gonna have another you know sack and a half two sack type of game so I'm gonna go Dallas Goddard and Hassan Reddick I like it uh, Dallas Goddard's obviously a good one. I want to say Devontae Smith. I've used him like almost every week, so I don't really like doing that. I'm I'm actually going to go uh I'm gonna go with Miles Sanders in this one because I do think that the Pittsburgh Steelers, like I feel like there's gonna be an opportunity to really exploit the middle of the field. There's gonna be really an opportunity to run the ball a lot more than we think. Um, I know that we're focused, we're like laser focus seemingly on like a big passing game where we're going to have three receivers with a touchdown, multiple hundred yard receivers. I also think that this can be a really big game. And I do think it's going to be a really big game for Miles Sanders. Um, and part of me, like there's part of me really feeling like this can be a decent Kenneth Gainwell game for some reason. Maybe it's because he's going to be able to work the middle of the field and not get as much attention as other people are getting and make a few catches, maybe get in the end zone. Like I just feel like something, something in me feels like Sanders and Gainwell are going to have the game that, Everybody thinks it should be AJ Brand, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. Well, one of them is still going to have a really good game. I do think one receiver will have a really good game as well. Um, I'm going Josh Sweat. You want Hassan Reddick? I'm going Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat's kind of been quiet. He's been getting after the quarterback. He's been quiet ever since he got that contract. <laughs> he's been pretty quiet, but he's been getting decent pressures. I think I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but his pressure rate, pressure numbers are pretty good. He's 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 just not turning it into hits and sacks, but I think that this could be one of those games where he actually turns it into a hit or a sack game. There, Dave, just like on point, he was probably typing it as I was saying it. Dave says I think it's a big Josh Sweat game, so we're, we we agree, Dave. I agree, it's a Josh Sweat game. Um, Fitness Roofer says uh, he still thinks Smitty's going for over 100 yards. And then he also said secondary gets at least two interceptions. I actually agree with that. I don't even think that's a hot take. I think that's almost like an expected occurrence against the lineup of quarterbacks that we face at this point. The secondary force fumbles or force interceptions or do something. At least a couple of turnovers for sure happening in this game. Definitely agree. So prediction time. 
Eagles have never lost to the Steelers in Philadelphia. There's a first time for everything. Does it happen this week, Connor? I don't think so. I, I mean, you said it. the Buffalo game was the one game they couldn't keep up, and it was because of the offense. If there is one – there, if I were to name a top three offenses in the league right now, it would be Buffalo, Casey, and Philly. You have to – those have to be the top three because of I the am- way they're producing – they just have some massive boom games, but they're fully capable of busting on that they're offense. They're good with Tua. Their boom, their, they're, their yeah, bad they're, they're games are when Tua's not playing. Exactly. And Tua, well, I'm a little nervous there. I'm a little <laughs> nervous. I'm not going to say – I'm not putting that there. But, like, you have to know, like, from a consistency standpoint, these are their three guys. I don't agree with fitness, Rufer. I don't think it's going to be 42 to 17, but I do think this is going to be a game where I just don't think the Steelers' offense is going to be able to keep up. We're going to have this massive second quarter again, like we always do. Um, but I am going to go with, I think it's going to be 34, I'm going 34 to 20. I think it's still going to be a multi. And it's weird because I just said like that 10 and a half point spread feels like feels like a, a fool's type of bet to make. But I do like I just don't know how they can keep up when you look at the top three offenses in the league. They struggle with one of them. We are one of them. I just don't think that they're going to be able hopefully, to keep up. Hopefully we are one of them. We think multi-score game for sure. I think I'm going to go 31-17 Eagles. Um, I just don't I can't, we can't lose the Kenny Pickett. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. I really don't. Th- I, I, I didn't like him in college. Definitely didn't like him coming out. And I was really glad that he didn't go to the Eagles. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if in, you know, another two years, Pittsburgh is looking for another quarterback. Because I don't think Kenny Pickett's that guy. But that's just me. Um, so I'm going to go 31-17 Eagles. Hassan Reddick and Dallas Goddard have big games. The Eagles improved to 7-0. And we get ready for this short week heading into Houston, and tonight is the first of potentially eight not eight nights where we can have the Eagles or Phillies on TV. Nine straight, nine straight. Between now and next Saturday, if the, if the World Series goes, seven, seven games. games, could have the Eagles or Phillies on TV. Hey, and if you're a big soccer fan, I think yeah, the don't Philadelphia care about, don't, don't, matter, don't, don't care about you. Don't, don't care. Don't care. <laughs> you know, if they, if they want a, a championship, like 10 people would show up to that break. And it wouldn't even be in Philly, by the way. It would probably be in Chester, where the stadium is. So we don't care. But it, it still feels good, like right yeah. now, to be a Philly. But the Flyers are outperforming expectations. The Sixers, they'll they'll fix it. They they yeah, always yeah. seem to fix it. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles are I was so are, close to my zero and eighty two prediction. They're what, <laughs> the Eagles are doing amazing eagle things making us rethink and rehash 2017 the phillies are in the world series making us think about 2009 again um or 2008 sorry so it just feels good in philadelphia things just feel really good right now but uh but let's not look ahead of the pittsburgh steelers i do like you said i do think they're fully capable of maybe surprising us and making this a game but they are also fully capable of completely busting and losing by multiple touchdowns. Yep. So we typically do our shows Tuesday and Fridays, but with next week being a Thursday night game, we're gonna we'll out. we'll figure it out and post it to the Twitter feed. We yes, might we'll be able we might be able to rig up a Monday Tuesday show um, for for everybody. Yeah, we'll see. To, so follow the Kelly Green Hour Twitter uh, for updates on when we will be uh, streaming this week. Uh, we appreciate all the comments and. 
in the comment section. We, you know, that we love it when you guys participate um, in the show. Um, so thank you again for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. He's Connor. I'm LJ. Go Birds and go Phillies. Fly, Eagles, fly. You want Philly, Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah. Yeah.